We welcome you to the Tuesday People Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I am the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury, which was the inspiration for this podcast and was the inspiration for the book that changed my life in many ways and apparently has changed many people's lives around the world. The lessons that I learned alongside my old college professor while he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease still resonate with me today, still resonate with a lot of people, apparently, and uh, became a, a good basis for this podcast because there are still lessons being learned today that are very pertinent, and one today uh, in particular because of the time we find ourselves in, in limited contact uh, due to the COVID-19 virus. Let me say hello first to my friend and producer, Lisa Goitsch, who's alongside as always, having a hello, bit of a stressed day from what I understand, so we're going oh, to relax it's you. Cra- it's a crazy day. Uh, well, we're going to relax I you. Need- I need relaxants. I, oh. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something you take, you know, twice twice a day with water and food. I'm having the ladies two used relaxants. To take in the, yes, the <laughs> in ladies the would take those in the 50s. Yeah. Okay. Mother's little helpers. Yeah. No. Yes, I need those. Well, today I want to talk about something that is very pertinent to what's going on, and that is teaching. Obviously, the basis of Tuesdays with Maury is about a teacher and a student relationship. And I've been thinking a lot about what we're asking our young people to do during COVID-19, be they kindergartners, grade schoolers, high schoolers, or in many cases, college kids, to continue as if school is going on, but to do it without teacher contact. At the very best, Our kids are going into school and encountering teachers with masks on. And if you are a child, not being able to see a teacher's smile or a teacher's expression is not experiencing teaching completely. Because so much of teaching at a young level, and I know as someone who has taught and continues to work with children all the time and the orphanage in Haiti every month, letting them see you smile letting them see that you're pleased and rewarding and reinforcing positive behavior with a good look is important. And when all you can see of somebody is their eyes or they're always pulling at their nose and these things that we do with our masks, you know, uh, kids are going to take a whole different set of cues from that. Now, that is what I just described as the best case scenario of what's going on right now in teaching. The worst case scenario is virtual learning. I know there are many people out there who feel that computers are, you know, the future of everything and there's a better, whatever life offers, there's a better digital alternative to it. And everybody's entitled to that opinion. That's fine. But I do not believe, and I'll state it right here and I'm not embarrassed about it, I do not believe that virtual learning is anywhere close to the same as human contact learning. And when I was thinking about and preparing for this show, I realized, wow, Tuesdays with Maury and the Tuesday People podcast is predicated on the most intimate of teacher-student relationships. Not only the relationship that Maury and I had back when I was a college student, but the relationship that we had as a result of that relationship when I was visiting him when he was dying. And I was sitting inches away from him, sitting alongside him while he was dying, holding his hand, rubbing his feet, leaning into adjust a little microphone in his pajama top, 
there could not have been a more intimate back and forth than that. And I think about that, Lisa, and think, yeah, what if we, what if it was during COVID and we did Tuesdays mm-hmm. with Maury virtually? And I asked his wife to put a computer up next to him and I would sit somewhere with my computer and try to ask him these questions about life and death and, and what's important in life and all the rest of it through a computer screen. Doesn't work, right? No, you certainly wouldn't have gotten all of the nuances and things, you know, from, yeah, you would have been missing a, a lot. <laughs> when Maury started to cry and I would have to lean over and wipe his tears from his face, do you think that trying to do that through a screen or the angst of not being able to do it Mm-mm. through a screen would have been anywhere close to what no. we had? When Maury asked to hold my hand, and I would always say to him, uh, why is it so important that I hold your hand while we're doing our learning or rub your shoulders or some kind of physical contact when in point of fact, you know, he couldn't move. So physical sensation, he could still feel a a physical sensation, but it's not the same as as when you can move and initiate it and all the rest. And I said, why is it so important to you? And his answer to me while I was holding his hand was when you're a baby and you come into the world, the first thing that you need is what? What? You need to be held and comforted, Mm -hmm. right? That's what a baby needs, right? How do you, as a baby, stop crying? You hold the baby to your chest and pat his or her back, hold them, caress them. They stop crying, right? He said, well, I'll let you in on a secret. When you're dying and leaving the world, it's the same thing. You need more than anything to be held and caressed and comforted. Now, how could I have accomplished that? How can I have learned that through a screen? There's not a chance, right? So I began to go back and and think about all the experiences I had with Maury that never would have lent themselves to a screen or virtual learning so that when colleges tell you, yes, you should still pay the $55,000 tuition. We're still giving you the quality education. We're just going to be giving it to you virtually. There's no way that you can get anywhere near close to the same education virtually as in person. So I want to share with you throughout the course of today's episode a few of the moments from Tuesdays with Maury that you can see when I share them with him. I'm going to actually read some of them from the book, how they never would have worked if we had to try to do them virtually. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. So, for example, the first time I ever met Maury... His class. All right, here is, here is that experience. I'm going to actually read it to you 
from the book as I, as I wrote it. It's our first class together in the spring of 1976. I enter Maury's large office and notice the seemingly countless books that line the wall, shelf after shelf. Books on sociology, philosophy, religion, psychology. There's a large rug on the hardwood floor and a window that looks out on the campus walk. Only a dozen or so students are there, fumbling with notebooks and syllabi. Most of them wear jeans and earth shoes and plaid flannel shirts. I tell myself it will not be easy to cut a class this small. Maybe I shouldn't take it. Mitchell, Maury says suddenly, reading from the attendance list. I raise a hand. Do you prefer Mitch, or is Mitchell better? I've never been asked this by a teacher. I do a double take at this guy in his yellow turtleneck and green corduroy pants, the silver hair that falls on his forehead. He's smiling. Mitch, I say. Mitch is what my friends call me. Well, Mitch it is then, Maury says, as if closing a deal. And Mitch? Yes, I say. I hope that one day you'll think of me as your friend. Now, that was the first encounter I had with Maury. I was really thinking of cutting the class, to be honest with you, and I was about to leave <laughs> the room when he called roll, and my name was first because its album right. was A. If my name had been Zinkowski, I probably never would have <laughs> gone to the class and never would have written Tuesdays with Maury, and we'd never be doing this podcast. But think right. about just just that page there that I read. All the nuance of the room, the way it felt, the other kids, yep, the books on the shelves, the environment, the uh, the way the kids were dressed, the way I was feeling, Maury in his yellow turtleneck, and the hair falling on his face, the way that he asked me the question, even just calling Roll. Did they even call Roll in virtual things? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess they see if your little picture is up there in a Zoom screen. All of that would have been gone. All of that would have been gone. I probably would have just dropped the class online. I would have just pressed my thing and out I go, right? I'm done. Right. Don't have to do that anymore. Don't have to make interaction with anybody. Don't have to have contact with anybody. And I would have missed out on Maury Schwartz. One example of something that just can't be done at the same way. Here's another one. It's... Yeah. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's really difficult. And keep going because after this I have something to say about the teachers and how they have to teach, which is also a sticky part of this whole thing. Yeah. You know? Let, let this not be misconstrued as a criticism of teachers. Teachers are caught in the middle of this situation. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. They're, right. they're, it's not their idea. And it's no, not, you know, the they, they don't like this anymore. Is, yeah. Yeah, they don't like this mm-hmm. any more than the kids do. It makes their process a lot harder. I know that. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You know, just from watching, um, like, Zoom instructionals for these work meetings that we have to do and looking mm-hmm. at, like, polling and asking students questions. And they have all these, like, teacher tutorials out there. And I'm like, goodness gracious, it's hard enough to teach a class, let alone teach a class on Zoom, and then have to create all of these items right. that have to go to your students virtually. It's a lot. Yep. It's, boy, I hope we get back to normal soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is making me yearn for normal, really, in college campuses. <laughs> but here's another example, another thing that I wrote in the book, a little scene. 
In the campus bookstore, I shop for the items on Maury's reading list. I purchase books that I never knew existed. Titles as Youth, Identity and Crisis, I and Thou, The Divided Self. Before college, I did not know the study of human relations could be considered scholarly. Until I met Maury, I did not believe it. But his passion for books is real and contagious. We begin to talk seriously sometimes after class when the room has emptied. He asks me questions about my life, then quotes lines from Eric Fromm, Martin Buber, Eric Erickson. Often he defers to their words, footnoting his own advice, even though he obviously thought the same things himself. It's at these times that I realize he is indeed a professor, not an uncle. One afternoon I'm complaining about the confusion of my age and what is expected of me versus what I want for myself. Have I told you about the tension of opposites, he says. The tension of opposites? Life is a series of pulls back and forth. You want to do one thing, but you're bound to do something else. Something hurts you, yet you know it shouldn't. You take certain things for granted, even when you know you should not take anything for granted. A tension of opposites, like a pull on a rubber band. And most of us live somewhere in the middle. Mm. Sounds like a wrestling match, I say. A wrestling match, he laughs. Yes, you could describe it that way. So which side wins, I ask. Which side wins? He smiles at me, the crinkled eyes, the crooked teeth. Love wins. Love always wins. Now, somehow, it is really hard for me to imagine that dialogue taking place through a computer screen. Right. You have to get, again, you noticed after class, right? This is a conversation after class. We're not even going to have this conversation after class because generally they're not doing after class online. Yep. So I'm hanging around. The mood is, you know, the mood is so much of it. The mood is there. And I, I can remember when I'm reading that, I remember that office. And it was fall like it is now. Right now I'm looking at the, the leaves through my window here and the same thing. It was kind of cloudy and you like being inside on those days, those days where you're not in a hurry to go out because it's raw mm-hmm. outside and the wind is blowing. So it lends itself to a nice conversation. And here we're talking about my life. Again, not a scholarly subject. It didn't come up in the in the class, but we're talking about my issues, the way that professors and students will talk about these kinds of things in hallways, in their offices, when you're walking on campus. And all of a sudden, we talk about tension of opposites and a theory. And then I make a joke mm-hmm. about a wrestling match. And then I say, you know, which side wins? And he gets this great... And again, he looked at me, his eyes crinkled, he smiled. You have to have that human contact yeah. to spark a line like that. Love wins. Love always wins. Can I tell you, Lisa, how many times that line, love wins, love always wins, has been quoted, printed, turned into greeting cards, used at weddings, uh, uh, put on on funeral cards. I get it from around the world, translated into umpteen languages. It's unmeasurable. It's one of the most quoted single lines from Tuesdays with Maury. And it came out of what? An interaction between a student and teacher in person after hours in his office in the calm of a fall afternoon. You cannot simulate that on a computer. And look Mm -hmm. what a precious line, what a precious moment, 
What a precious sentiment and thought came out of that interaction between student and teacher. So, again, can't happen virtually. We're asking right. people to try to make it, but this is what we're missing. This is what we're missing. It's interesting to me that I just got back from Haiti, uh, uh, another visit at our, you know, my monthly visit to our orphanage there in the Have Faith Haiti orphanage. And we currently have three young people who are working with us. Uh, they're teaching because of COVID-19. We can't have as many teachers come in and out the way that we normally do in Haiti. Right. So these three have come down. They're all college students, and they have come down to live at the orphanage for the semester. So we don't have to, they, have to, don't, have, they don't have to go in and out. You know, they're on mm. campus there, mm-hmm. and so they don't have to get tested. They don't have to go in and out. And, they, and, they're, and they're not only are they teaching, they're also, you know, playing with the kids and guiding the kids after hours and helping them with all their other things. It's very kind of them, and we really appreciate having That's them nice. there. That's nice. But the three of them go to very prestigious Ivy League quality schools in the Boston area. And all three of them decided they didn't want to go this semester if it was going to be virtual classes because that's not the kind of experience that they want. Harvard and MIT's loss in this case was our gain because they came and spent it with us. But I get it. I get why. Forget about the money, which in and of itself, that's a discussion for a different kind of program. But... Yeah, to spend that money and and to go there and not have the human touch, not have the human interaction, not have these kinds of discussions, which is the joy of going to places like that, where you're interacting with you know very accomplished and amazing people and professors. What's the point? Yeah. So they said, we'll skip it. We'll take the hit on our progression. The school said it was okay, and instead they're helping with children down in Haiti, which in and of itself is maybe a better education than, than your standard right. college education be, anyhow. Yeah, that should be extra credit or something for yeah. them. I mean, they should get credit for they a should. semester just for doing that. Yeah, really, that's better than anything. If I can figure out a way to turn that into a credit thing, I'll mm-hmm. have a steady flow of people coming down. That would be great because we'd love to have more people come down and teach. Yeah. Uh, but the, what the, they knew that you can't get moments like this. Here's another one that I wrote about in Tuesdays with Maury. Couldn't possibly happen in a virtual world. Listen. Maury enters the classroom, sits down, doesn't say anything. He looks at us. We look at him. At first, there are a few giggles, but Maury only shrugs. And eventually, a deep silence falls, and we begin to notice the smallest sounds. The radiator humming in the corner of the room. Some of us are agitated. When is he going to say something? We squirm, check our watches. A few students look out the window, trying to be above it all. This goes on for a good 15 minutes before Maury finally breaks in with a whisper. What's happening here? He asks. And slowly, a discussion begins, as Maury has wanted all along, about the effect of silence on human relations. Why are we embarrassed by silence? What comfort do we find in all the noise? I'm not bothered by the silence. For all the noise I make with my friends, I'm still not comfortable talking about my feelings in front of others, especially not classmates. I could sit in the quiet for hours, if that's what the class demanded. 
On my way out, Maury stops me. You didn't say much today, he remarks. I don't know, I say. I just didn't have anything to add. I think you have a lot to add. In fact, Mitch, you remind me of someone I knew who also liked to keep things to himself when he was younger. Who, I say. Me, he says. That interaction is not going to happen in a virtual classroom. You can't do that kind of an exercise. You can't come on a Zoom meeting and just be quiet because everybody will just assume that they lost their connection. You can't teach that lesson of people being uncomfortable with silence because you're not virtually experiencing it. True. Having your computer just be silent doesn't make people uneasy. They just get bored. They put up a little photo of themselves or they, or they click on that thing that just has their name, but their, their image goes away. That way they can go to the bathroom or whatever it is. <laughs> I remember that day. It was really weird. We were in the room and we were all looking at one another and we were all like, you know, is he ever going to say anything? Is this guy going to talk? What, the, what are we doing in here? You know, uh, None of us really picked up that he was trying to teach us something. Right. N- not until after he did it. We all thought like he was mad at us or we had let him down from the previous class. Maybe he forgot what his lesson plan was. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he was having an issue, but none of us really thought, okay, he's teaching us something. Mm-hmm. We just were uncomfortable. You could feel like a little sweat, you, you know, you, you shifted in your chair, all these physical cues that you have to be in person in order to experience. There was another day that we did trust exercises. You remember those back in the, you're a little young yeah. for those, but back in no, the 70s. We did those. Yeah. We so did those you, where, where you just sort of, you stand there, you close your eyes, and you fall backwards, mm-hmm. trusting that a person will catch you. And it was very 70 ish, let's put it that way, <laughs> you know, borderline new age ish. Uh, and, you would discuss what it took to let yourself go and not try to catch yourself. Because most kids, you know, you start to fall backwards, you just automatically catch yourself. You don't assume that anybody's going to catch you. And what does that mean about trusting another human being? Okay, silly as it might sound, trite as it might sound, uh, 70-ish as it might sound now, how are you going to do that in a virtual classroom? Right. All right, everybody Can't. take your computer and push it over right now. <laughs> Trust us, somebody'll catch it. You can't. You can't have that experience. Now, these are these are just it's just a myriad of little things that require human interaction for teaching to really be you know, meaningful. And we're asking our students today to do this without that. And I think it is like a pie without the filling. It might from a from afar it might look like a pie because you got the top crust and it's in a little tin. But it's not a pie. There's no there there, right? <laughs> Did you have a teacher in your life, college, high school or otherwise, that you can think back to that It was the personal moments, the conversations, the after school maybe, maybe walked home together or something like that that made it 
a special relationship? Yeah, um, I would say more so in high school than college because so many of my classes were such big classes. You know, I had such, you know, you have like lecture hall type classes. Uh, The only time in college that I can that re- I can recall, although I know there were more episodes than this, that I ever spoke to a professor after class was when I begged my math teacher my senior year of college to let me pass so that I could graduate. <laughs> okay. I was not very good at math. Um, but I, I, was ver- I was very good friends with one of my broadcasting teachers. And you know what? I'm thinking of like in high school or um, even younger in, in things like art class or when you're teaching kids handwriting, you know, or printing, how do you how do you do that when you're not in person? You know, when like I, I, I remember right. art classes when we would, you know, we would you'd be drawing something. Let's say everybody has to do a self-portrait or something and your teacher would come behind you while you were drawing and maybe pick up your eraser and correct something and she'd erase a nose and say, no, you need to make it a little rounder or, you know, you need to hear, how about you add some hair here or whatever. You know, there's always those interactive moments. Right. Um, And you think of students who maybe aren't as, you know, are maybe a little bit behind in classes and they need that extra help either after class or even sometimes during class where the teacher can come up to them and say, you know, quietly. Look at their work, right, exactly. Yeah, look at their work and say, no, maybe you want to do it this way or that way. I don't think you can do that online because, first of all, you're only seeing people's faces. You can't see their work in front of them. Yeah, they may have ways where you can hold up your work. And, I mean, you know, I don't mean to disparage virtual learning as all it is is you just stare at a camera and they stare at you. I'm sure there are little variations with it. Yeah, but it's different. It's not but that it moment feels of like comfort, you right. know? Like That's right. A comforting moment That's of right. something. I mean, in heaven forbid you can't even have things like gym class. Um yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know how you do that. Um I'm pretty uh, sure go run you around can't have your a virtual gym class. Yeah, maybe you can. <laughs> maybe they tell you to run around out. But the kind of stuff that you're talking about, the the personal moments, the interactions, the reading someone's face, reading their expression, feeling a connection with somebody, it's just not there. And it's never going to be there. Another moment that I had with Maury, this now, when we were together later in life, when he was dying and we were taking a last class together in his office. And I said to him, do you remember Lou Gehrig? I remember him in the stadium saying goodbye, Maury says. Do you remember the famous line? Which one, Maury asks. Come on, I say. Lou Gehrig, pride of the Yankees, the speech that echoes over the loudspeakers. Remind me, Maury says. Do the speech. Through the open window, I hear the sound of a garbage truck. Although it is hot, Maury is wearing long sleeves with a blanket over his legs, his skin pale. The disease owns him. I raise my voice and do the Lou Gehrig impersonation, where the voice and the words bounce off the stadium walls. Today, day, day, I feel like, 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 the luckiest man, man, on the face of the earth. Maury closes his eyes and nods slowly. Yeah, well, I didn't say that. Now, I laughed, of course, but... 
you don't do that. You don't have that moment on a computer mm-hmm. screen. You don't learn or sensitive to what it means that you are saying, oh, don't you remember Lou Gehrig? And I'm doing, you know, because he had obviously was the first noted person with ALS. Right. And here's a person right in front of you who has ALS and you don't realize how that sounds to him until you look on the expression on his face and he says, well, he may have thought he was the luckiest person in the world. I didn't say that. All part of that personal thing that we're missing. So what's my point? My point is that in this season of learning, in this, you know, October of the academic year, when kids are, are, are all in in college now, uh, if they're there, and the, the weather's getting colder, and, and, and you're studying more, and you're preparing for your midterms, and what we're asking kids to do in these virtual environments isn't just make a sacrifice in terms of how they usually learn. It is robbing them, however unavoidably, still robbing them of the most precious part of a teacher-student interaction and that is Mm -hmm. the human part the connection the inspiration that is made when two minds and two souls come together one the wiser and one the learner right and share a moment in which that knowledge is passed from the teacher to the student and you can see it on the student's face And you can see the sense of satisfaction in the teacher's face. And that is precious and goes back, I imagine, to the beginning of time when the first teachers taught the first students. And it's very unnatural to ask anybody in the world to try to accomplish that through a computer screen. And they won't. They'll always be missing something. So as you said, Lisa, the sooner we can get back to some kind of normal, the better on so many levels, but maybe near the top, maybe near the top is at the teaching level because I think of all the professions, this has taken, it, mm-hmm. the biggest toll has been taken in that field. And I thought about how Tuesdays with Maury would have been in a virtual environment, and it wouldn't. The answer is it wouldn't no, have been. it wouldn't exist. Just wouldn't have <laughs> been. It wouldn't have happened. Isn't that something? Uh, yeah, I hearken back to the uh, last page of Tuesdays with Maury in a paragraph that I wrote, which was inspired by how Maury was with me. I had gone back and looked through some old papers, and I found a 20-year-old paper that I had written for him And on the front page were my penciled comments that I had written when I turned the paper in. And I wrote, Dear Coach, because that's the Mm -hmm. nickname that he had asked me to call him. And then his notes on grading my paper said, Dear Player, (laughs) which is pretty interesting. And here he was the coach and I was a player as opposed to the teacher and the student. Uh, because he looked at life, you know, more as something you participate in. And he was a right. li- coach of life, and I was playing in life. And it inspired me to write. For some reason, each time I read that, I miss him more and more. Have you ever really had a teacher 
one who saw you as a raw but precious thing, a jewel that with wisdom could be polished to a proud shine. If you are lucky enough to find your way to such teachers, you will always find your way back. Sometimes it is only in your head, and sometimes it is right alongside their beds. The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his home by a window in his study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink flowers. The class met on Tuesdays. No books were required. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. The teaching goes on. I am so blessed to have had that experience in person. Yeah. Face to face handheld and close enough to see his eyes, smell his breath, hear his laughter. And um, I can only wish that our kids today will be able to get back to that type of learning very, very soon. Hopefully. We will be back with another edition of Tuesday People in a week's time. Next week will be very interesting because it's the election week. So I hope everybody (laughs) survives until then. In the meantime, on behalf of Lisa Goich, who helps put this whole show together, this is Mitch Album, author of Tuesdays with Maury, saying to you, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, We're Tuesday people.